0: The worst. I'm ready. Are you going to listen I'm, to me? Yeah, talk I, 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 I'm 100% <laughs> in on this one. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Dr. Muse here with Dr. Alm for our clinical coffee chat. Uh, moving forward, be sure you check out our YouTube page for uh, old episodes if you ever want to go back and rewatch and these. Soon to be podcasts.
1: Podcasts. Yeah, We're so going to put these on a podcast format. Ten to twelve minutes, uh, kind of targeted at the the driving in crew, so it should yeah. be good. And then
0: we may have some other guests on for that, but the main thing is going to be these clinical coffee chats up on the pod on the uh, podcast. Where we don't drink coffee right now. Neither <laughs> of us are. Um,
1: what are we talking about today? So
0: today, we're going to cover a topic that's a pretty hot topic uh, in the nation consistently. consistently hot topic, yeah, um, and that's. Early specialization in sport or youth athletes specializing in one sport throughout the year. So this is, it, it's a very um, well-known topic. And if anything, it, I don't know if it's getting any, any better. It might. I think mean, it's getting way worse, actually. Yeah, yeah. So
1: the, what we mean by early specialization is those of you out there that have <laughs> little ones getting into sports age, it's them picking a sport and training exclusively for that sport, starting at a you know a progressively earlier and earlier age. Uh-huh. You know, when I when I in, in my day, you know, when I was younger, that I I had social pressure. I was um, a pretty good soccer player, and the team sports I feel like they're are the ones that that pressure it quite a bit. So basketball, volleyball, soccer, baseball, yeah, they're the ones that are kind of pressuring. And what what would happen is. If I wanted to play you know on such and such ODP team, well then they wanted me playing on such and such travel team in the spring, or they wanted me on this team in in the winter, you know, mm-hmm. playing indoor and the the pressure was there, but I don't think it was quite as aggressive as it is today, yeah, and, and certainly the coaching that was available to me in those was nowhere nearly as i mean I had great coaches, but like now it's a profession. Like uh-huh. most of the coaches that I had, I think they were volunteering their time, time. or they're just getting a little bit money. I, my, we weren't paying, you know, $1,500, 3000 $5,000 to be on the team where the coach is actually getting a salary. Traveling all over the nation. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's become, I mean, I would assume a, a multi, if not, you know, multi-million, if not, you know, billion dollar industry. Yeah. So the issue here is this, you know, when we're going through, we're not really fully developed. Until really in our 20s, when we're talking about structurally. Mm-hmm. Mentally, obviously, we're still working on it. But Work in progress. Work in progress. All in the 20s, when the skeleton actually becomes sort of ossified or, or, or rigid, and it's no longer growing, uh, the growth plates close, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, before that, you have all other kinds of systems that are maturing in that process. And the earlier in your life that you're specializing in a sport, the more of those processes are still ongoing and have not reached full maturity. Well, that's a problem because we have evolved to move and stabilize and function in a specific way. And if you're exposing your body only to, you know, throwing a baseball or, you know, playing soccer, you're limiting the movement variability. And what Mm -hmm. that basically is, is you're limiting the amount of sensations and forces and motions that the body is exposed to and when it's exposed to those things, that actually drives this optimal development. Because we want like, a wide variety of adaptations. We don't just want to sort of specialize in one particular
0: movement. Right, so the dilemma here is it's the classic keeping up with the Joneses thing.
1: Like, that's the problem now for sure. Oh yeah,
0: so if, if you know, your friend in ninth grade is on all these, these travel teams, these uh, um, you know, AAU or, or ODP for soccer, and you're doing three separate sports instead of just the one, well then you have that sensation or that thought process that they're, they're making strides that you aren't. And there's advantageous and disadvantageous um, changes that come with this. So like using baseball players, something for a pitcher that, that is going to be advantageous for them is some of the morphological changes we see even in the bone itself. We see in pitchers that there's actually some torsion in this humorous bone, which may actually help with their performance. Now, on the disadvantage, uh, the disadvantage there is
1: that like you know, if you talk to any major league scouts, they will tell you that the earlier, if you want to guarantee that you're not going to pitch in major leagues, start pitching when you're in middle school. Uh huh. Like there, yeah. there's they actually there's theories out there that they actually think that there's a certain amount of pitches that one's arm can handle in a lifetime, and a lot of them they will look at if looking at two athletes, let's say they're both you know you know five tool blue chip athletes throwing you know in the in the upper eighties and one of them is from florida and the other ones from minnesota a lot of people will just choose the minnesota kid because they make the assumption that that kid doesn't have nearly as many throws on their arm Mm -hmm. and therefore they're less likely to actually get injured because they're not as deep into the you know the the life of that arm so to speak
0: right (laughs) so one of the big opponents to this is someone by the name of doctor andrews who uh, you can find just he, he's leader of the Andrews Institute and he is a probably the most famous orthopedic surgeon, surgeon yeah. uh, works with a lot of major leaguers especially but he is a huge proponent for for uh, multi-sport youth athletes because kind of like what Dr. Ohm was just mentioning well now there's neurological and physical changes that could also help in the 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 performance as they move closer to a specialization in their older ages we see a lot of Uh, football players in the NFL who are great players and they actually had a
1: wide variety of activities. Rob Gronkowski is probably the best example in the the last Super Bowl that he won they asked him you know has he always wanted to be a professional football player and he said no he just wanted to be a professional athlete and he was playing basketball football and baseball and he didn't know which one he was gonna do And it wasn't until after college that he was like I'll just do football Now, granted, he's a freak athlete, (laughs) so he was able to sort of, you know, keep that. His options were still open. Yeah,
0: I didn't have that problem. I I, I didn't have a a choice.
1: Right, but uh... But that idea where he's playing most of his life, he's playing multiple sports, is, is advantageous for two reasons that we want to cover today. One is that you're going to be less likely to get injured. And, we, and we've mentioned in the past uh, sporadically about movement variability mm-hmm. and how it's really, really important to have high movement variability if you want to minimize overuse injuries. Runners, they tend to get injured about 70% of the time, meaning within a calendar year, 70% of runners actually will get an injury. And it's because the movement variability that they have is very, very limited. They're basically running in a straight line for the most part, usually on concrete. And because the movement variability is so low, the same tissues are having to you know, handle the load and the force over and over and over again. If you flip around, let's say that you take the same athlete, a runner, but you put them on a trail. Now they're still running, but there's high, I'll say micro variability. It's not like sure. they're going from running to you know, swimming that's like completely different but there's high micro variability in the ground, you know, their foot comes down in different positions, they have to, they're going uphill and downhill and they have to sort of jump over logs and stuff and and, and get around roots. All those micro variabilities in the movement basically distribute the work or the load amongst way more tissues. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the same in sports. If you have a kid that only does soccer, then the movement variability is going to be tremendously less than the athlete that plays you know, tennis in the spring, basketball in, in, in the winter, soccer in the fall. And then in the summer, they're just kind of doing their thing. Yep. So those athletes are going to be less likely to get injured, directly less likely to get injured because they have a higher movement variability. The other major point that we want to make here is that exposing your son or daughter to high movement variability is actually going to help them develop their nervous system and their structure and their anatomy to better handle training later on so I was lucky enough to, to compete at a, you know, at a national level when I was in my late 20's well I don't I don't know if I necessarily would have gotten there if all I did was track and field from the time that I was eight years old all the way there I probably would have had more injuries and I think that that Example can be applied to a lot of athletes Uh if you're if you're exposed to more sports more movements Then you're going to a not get injured as easily and b Down the road in college when it matters right scholarships and things like that after college professional sports They're going to benefit better if you are patient enough and they get exposed to those that high variety of movement later on Yeah, and I
0: and we kind of touched on it last week, but we've lost this sense of play in our society Anymore, if kids are playing sports, they're in a uniform. It's, it's part of a team effort. Whereas growing up, we would throw on our, you know, whatever and go out and play whatever game it is. Different stuff every day. Now we're just more streamlined into this. We gotta, we gotta specialize in a sport early on and push our way through that. But I think what we're seeing in our, our, our realm is that, that there's some serious consequences to that in the long run.
1: Yeah. So he, Brad, alluded to the. The difficulty and the challenge here, the rising pressure, keeping up with the Joneses to to, to have an athlete, you know, even if they're eight years old or nine years old, you know, do soccer three and four seasons a year. And the pressure is this. The ones that are doing the sport year round are getting more practice and more coaching. So in the short term, they're going to develop faster. Now that's a compounding phenomenon where you know maybe five years down the road, two kids—one that's playing you know soccer all year round, the other one that's not—that um, the kid that's playing soccer all year round is going to you know increase and develop faster in the short term than the other one. Now long term, it may actually screw that kid over because they get an ACL injury or something else because they're over specializing or early specializing. Yep. Um, So we want to kind of talk about, well, what can you do? Because I know that the pressure's there. And so what I would advise you to do is encourage the kid to play, you know, more than one sport. Try not to do it four seasons a year. And when they're not doing their sport, encourage them to do something else. So, you know, if a kid's playing soccer four seasons a year, they don't need to be practicing soccer when they're not, you know, in actual season or something like that or with the actual team. So encourage them to do something completely different so that they can, again, expose their bodies to a high variety of movement. That's probably the best option that you have because if you want your kid to keep playing, the environment is such that they're going to need to be actively doing those sports, but you want, when you can, to encourage them to do something other than the sport that they're specializing in, and expose them to as a high variety as possible.
0: Yeah, so this definitely applies to our youth athletes. Maybe you get the sense that we kind of talked about some similar things with just some of our desk workers. Variety and movement is important for any and all populations. But especially for the developing kid, we really want to strive to try to push this this agenda to to have more variety to what we do, so. If you guys have any questions, make sure you reach out to us. Check out the YouTube channel and look out for the podcast coming soon. Have a good one, guys.